we're going to do some things uh, slightly differently this morning. And if you're a guest, if you're new to us, then it won't be different for you because you, you don't come. You've never been before. But if you do come every week, um, this is a slightly different. It, this last few weeks, since the turn of the year, we've been in this series called By Choice. And uh, we've been looking at the life of Moses. Uh, actually, we've just been looking at one instance in Moses' life, really. We've been looking in the book of Exodus, which is in the Old Testament, chapter 3 and 4, uh, what we call the burning bush experience. And we've been using this signpost as a, a visual kind of metaphor, if you like. Imagine that this is like the burning bush. And uh, Moses, at the age of 40, tried to help God, tried to help his people, got it all wrong, did something he regretted, said something he regretted, ran off to the desert, where for the next 40 years, just him, his wife, his kids and the sheep, he lived a small life. But then at the age of 80, on an ordinary day, he came past an ordinary bush, which burst into flames, which was ordinary in the desert, but it kept burning, which isn't ordinary. And outside of the bush, and inside, from inside of the bush, God spoke to him. That's not ordinary neither. And God pulled into the bush, and he, he came, if you like, to this moment where he got to make a decision. He was at the crossroads. God was calling him to a bigger life. He could choose to go God's way or he could choose to go back to a goldfish bowl kind of life, a small life. And we've looked the last few weeks about what does it mean to be called to live a bigger life. And we've said if you're going to live a bigger life, you're going to need to be braver and you're going to need to be bolder. And that's what we've been looking at the last few weeks. Anyone been here? Yeah, brilliant. So you know that. What we thought we'd do this morning is rather than just move on, we'd linger and stop a little bit and ask ourselves, are we getting it? Is God really getting his message through to us that actually, if we're going to be called to a bigger life, we've got to make a choice. It is not just going to happen just because God says it. We have got to engage with God and we've got to make a decision. And that's going to take some bravery and some boldness. And what we thought we'd do this morning is just to linger around these three words a bit. And so most of this morning is going to be worship and communion and interaction. You can see that there's been some interaction happening around the the building as well. So if you're a visitor and you're new and this is freaking you out, please don't let it freak you out, okay? We'll take you through and we'll lead you through every step. You can engage or not as, as you want to really. But I want to just help us by trying to unlock something in terms of choice. Because choice is such an important thing for us as human beings. How many of you have ever played Scrabble? How many of you play Scrabble at Christmas? How many of you only play Scrabble at Christmas? Yep, yeah, that's about me as well. And if you play Scrabble, in fact, I, I tested this little illustration that I'm working on. I tested it out on the staff at our devotions this week. So we played Scrabble, all 16 of us. They were so competitive. I thought, well, guys, I mean, I can't imagine that competitive, where it comes from. I just don't, I have no idea. But so, so when you're playing Scrabble, what you want in your hand is you want the big killer word, don't you? That's what you're desperate for. You're desperate for that big word, and it's got to have at least a Q and an X and a Z in it, and a triple word, and it's about 350 points. And as the game goes on, you get more and more frustrated because you know it's coming around to your turn, and all you've got is if. That's it. Do you know what I mean? And it's no double word, no triple. All you've got is this tiny two-letter word called if. But I want to tell you, what you've got in your hands is one of the most powerful words in the English language, if. You see, the word if literally means this, the cause or reason or motive for something to happen. How many of you want something to happen this year in your life? God, let something happen in my workplace. God, let something happen in my family. God, let something great happen in the church, in our community, in our nation. You getting it? If is the reason or the cause 
or the motive for something to happen. And here's what's interesting. In English grammar, usually the word if is followed by the word then. Because if is a little word, but it's full of, of potential. It's like a, an atomic catalytic word. If this happens, then that's going to happen. And I want us to think about this because so many of us, so many of us, what happens is that we come to crossroads in our life and we get stuck. We get stuck. And so we, we're stuck and we've got this word knocking around, this tiny but powerful word called if. But what happens is that we get stuck in a moment we can't get out of. That's a quote from a U2 song many years ago. Some of you remember that. The song said, you're stuck in a moment you can't get out of. And what happened with U2 on the album that this song was off is that they tried to show the different songs and the lyrics and the ideas with kind of pictures and, and, uh, and icons. And the one for this was a little dot representing you and four arrows pointing in like that. And the song said, now you're stuck in a moment that you can't get out of. And what happened to Moses happens to so many of us that we get stuck at the crossroads and God's calling us to a bigger life and we've got a choice. Are we going to go that way or are we going to go that way? And the if is all dependent on us because if we engage it, if we do it, then God's going to do some great stuff. But if we don't, guess what? He's not. And you see what happens is that we can translate this into all kinds of our lives. So this is the start of a year or we're into February now. You know, if, we say, if this year I could stop smoking, then what might happen? If I could get free from that life-controlling issue, then what might my life look like? If I could get fit or lose weight, if I could get my finances under control, then. If I could stop gossiping, then. If I could get connected to God in a dynamic way every day of my life, then how might my life look different? And interestingly enough, in the Bible, there are over 1,500 phrases where the word if is used. And one of the most famous of all is in the Old Testament, which is in the first part of the Bible. And, and it's, from the book, it's from a book called 2 Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. Some of you will know it very well. And it says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, what's the next word? Then. So if my people will do all this, will pray, humble, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. It's a powerful word, isn't it? If you do this, then this is what will happen. But what happens for you and I is that we get stuck in a moment we can't get out of and we get stuck around the word if. Because what Moses did is he started asking this question. He kind of said, God, what if? question mark. So he's at the burning bush and he's saying, yeah, but God, you want me to go to the bigger life, but what if they reject me? What if my, my, my own people reject me? What if Pharaoh doesn't listen to me? What if I'm not good enough? What if it fails? What if, what if? And it all is negative questioning. Here's my challenge to you this morning. And this is something that I'm just working on and trying to develop in my own thinking. How about if we change this question from what if question mark to what if exclamation mark that instead of saying God what if it goes wrong what if they do this what if it goes wrong how about if we said what if what if I go back and actually it is great what if I do discover that there's a bigger life to live what if I do discover that God is a great God that God can give me this great sense of purpose and a heart for people like he gave Moses what if could become opportunity rather than question 
And you see, what happens then is that over time, the word if is almost translating to the word when. And so all of a sudden we say, actually, it's not like what if, what if, and we're stuck. But when I do this, when I step out, when I trust God, then God is going to do some amazing things. Wouldn't that be brilliant? And I want to just draw you into this, and we're going to worship God in a moment. I'm going to ask the band if they can come back. Because, you know, throughout the Bible, there's some great phrases where God says, if, and then, then. And just some of them I just want to give you. If God is for us, what does the rest of it say? Who can be against us? And that if isn't a question if, it's a statement if. It's like, if God is for us, he really is for us. So if God is for us, who can be against us? If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the Bible says. You know, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. If you make the most high dwelling, then no harm will befall you. Then there was that woman who was ill and she was sick and she saw Jesus in the crowds and he was surrounded by a crowd of people. And you know what she said? If I could touch his garment, then I will be healed. And she didn't get stuck in a moment saying, if, 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 question mark. She said, if, positively, if I could touch his garment, if I could just reach out, then I will be healed. Her if became a when. Because she, she kind of said, you know, if, if I could do this, then it would happen. So I'm going to do it. So her if became when I touch him, then I will be healed. And I want to encourage you this morning. We're going to worship God. Why don't we stand? Is that all right? Let's stand. If God is for us, who can be against us? And you might be facing some really big challenges in your life at the start of this year. Maybe this morning that you're not a Christian and you've come here out of curiosity or you've come here because somebody's dragged you here kicking and screaming and you don't know anything about what I'm talking about. But I want you to know God knows all about you. And if you choose to walk down a road with God, you will experience God in unbelievable ways. But the power of if is in your hands. It's the small word, but it's in your hand to play it. And can I tell you, it's one of the most powerful words you can play. Because if if becomes when, you're going to experience God in new and fresh ways. And how many of us up for that this year? So Father, I want to pray that as we worship you now, as we lift up our voices and sing songs that describe how great you are, how awesome and big you are and able, God, I pray that Those of us that are stuck at the crossroads. God, we're stuck in a moment we can't seem to get out of. Lord, I pray that even today, that this would be the day when we begin to extricate ourselves out of that stuckness and we begin to walk down the road that you are leading us to. Let if become when, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Just, Just in both those songs we've just sung, the phrase, God is for us, has been used. Just think about what that means. If God is for us, you know, if you ever, perhaps if, if someone says to you, oh, oh, do you know so-and-so? You know, I've heard something about them. And you might think, actually, I know them. I'm for them. And it might actually be true what you're saying, but I want you to know I'm for them. The power of that. You know, I realized many years ago that, that God is for me. And that means, that means the world, doesn't it? You know, and it, and it might mean that I still do things wrong and God doesn't ignore that. And and God wants to deal with that. And it's not to pretend that doesn't exist. But in all that stuff, God is for me. What an amazing thing. I don't know whether some of you have ever known that in your life. Perhaps you think, well, do you know what? I'm not sure my parents were really for me. Teachers at school weren't for me. You know, perhaps you had a husband or a wife and that relationship broke up. And you think, they're definitely not for me. Sometimes everyone seems against you. But I want you to know God is for you. God is for you. Isn't that amazing?
if, and that doesn't mean if question, that means if statement, God, the King of the universe, is for us, who can be against us? God's for you. And it may be this morning that you're facing some situations where you're going to need some bravery. We're going to move on and talk about bravery right now. But I want you to know, Moses could get unstuck from this moment because he realized at that moment that God was for him. And if you know God's for you, yeah, you're going to have some fear. Yeah, you're going to have some issues to work through. But you can walk down that road because God's for you. God is for you. Isn't that amazing? Father, we want to thank you this morning that you are for us. Just right where you are, why don't you just thank him? Just say, thank you, God, that you're for me. You may have been a Christian for years, but just the impact of that, let it hit you again. God, you are for me. You're not against me. You're not down on me. You're not some kind of demanding parent or some kind of um, demanding headmaster or authoritarian figure. You are for me. You want the best for me, not because you have to, but because you want to. God, we thank you this morning that you are for us. And if you're for us, God, who can be against us? So God, we will walk forward. We will summon up. We will draw on that bravery because you are for us. And that's an amazing thing. Amen. Why don't you take your seats for a moment? Just as we think around this word bravery. And uh, we, we asked, asked a couple of weeks ago, what does it mean to live a braver life? And how do we live a braver life when so much inside of us and around us tells us we can't? And we looked at that really famous quote where it says, Courage is not the absence of fear, but the belief that something is more important than fear. So courageous, bold, brave people aren't those people who don't have any fear. Moses had lots of fear and he argued with God about his fear. But then when he stepped forward and when he moved into the bigger, braver life, it wasn't that he had fear. It's just that he came to believe there was something more important than fear. And I don't know what you're facing this morning. Perhaps some of you, I was with a guy in the week facing a massive challenge at work. Just a huge challenge in a very big company. And just really wanting uh, over lunch together, just praying and and just thinking about, God, give give this fellow bravery for what he's got to go through. You might be facing a challenge at work. You might be facing a financial challenge or a relational challenge or a health challenge. And you need bravery. You're going to have fear, but bravery comes when we believe that something is more important than fear. And, you know, I, I'm just staggered by just hearing stories of people who are hearing this stuff and, and God is at work in their lives. And I'm, I've asked a couple of people if they come and share a little bit with you. So Tim is going to come up first and then someone else who many of you will know well is going to come and share something. Hi. Um, what, what I'm going to share is something that I've used as an example in Freedom in Christ before. So if you've done Freedom in Christ, you'll, you may have heard this. Um, what it is basically... A few years ago, I was at work and chatting to some of the guys, and we were just talking about how many push-ups can you do, how many press-ups can you do, and uh, you know, we, and we, we had a little competition there and then, you know, see, and, and I could do about As you tw- do, <laughs> I could do about twenty-five, which which I thought that's pretty good. But one of the guys said that if you um, do one more each day, do them every day, and do one more each day, you can incrementally increase the number of push-ups you can do. And I thought about this. I thought, well, I'll take him with his word at that. I'll, I'll give it a go. So for a couple of months, I did one more every day. And, and after a couple of months, I was doing about 90. Now, I'm not sharing that so that you can become a hench. Or you, know, you two can have a body like mine. 
there's, there's a principle there. <laughs> there's a principle that if you, if you take a step and push yourself a little bit more and a little bit more, you'll, get, you'll move forward and you'll make progress and you can keep going and keep going. It's not like you go from 25 to 90 in, in one lump. That's difficult. Anyway, I shared this um, with uh, Rizan's life group on, on Wednesday. And, and that was all good, and I like, used that as the, the example. And then someone asked me afterwards, how many can you, can you do now? <laughs> and uh, and I, 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 I said, oh, I'm about, probably about 25 or 30 again now. But I, I was thinking about this, and, and this morning I was thinking about it before, um, before I came to church. And I felt, I, I was just impressed that if I'd have carried on, if I, I mean, I don't know if it, how it would work, but if I'd have carried on, I could probably do like a couple of thousand no, that would probably take me all morning. But uh, the point is that because I stopped, I went from being able to do 90 back down to 25. And there's another principle there that, you know, we can push ourselves and get to a, a really good place. But if we stop pushing ourselves, we will we'll shrink back, you know, and that's it. Yeah, it's great. Thanks, Tim. I, I so, um, at the nine, I so wanted to say drop down and give me 90, do you know what I mean? Uh, but I'm going to resist the challenge to do that, the temptation to do that. But isn't that true, that when we step out little steps, we grow? That's part of what bravery is. It isn't taking a massive leap, it's taking small steps. But when we shrink back, you know, when we stop doing that, then we do shrink back, and that's, that's a spiritual lesson. Iris, where are you? Come and share. Drop down and give me 90, Iris, come on. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. I knew. I can probably do one if I'm lucky. No more than Go on that. then. No, no, I'm joking. No. <laughs> yes, this has been quite a series, hasn't it? And it was the first one for me. Um, we'd had a good year last year. Lots of the exciting things uh, were, had happened and was happening. So I came into a new year with the same kind of feeling. Um, and then we were doing Moses. And Leon spoke about this 40-year business. He was talking about how long it was with Moses. He was just in this wilderness for 40 years in his burning bush experience. And I think that must have been fantastic, really. But I was sitting just about three rows there. And then I felt God said to me, you were saved in your 40th year. And I thought, yeah, that's true. Um, I hadn't thought of it quite like that. But, but yes, I was. I was almost 40 before I got saved. So I, and Moses was in the wilderness. I don't want to be in the wilderness. But the point was, at that point, Leon lost me, didn't you? <laughs> and really, I was listening to God. He did tell me in the first service that I should have been listening to him, but <laughs> never mind. Um, and then I, I started to think about that. And then God said to me... Um, what are you going to do about it? It seemed a very strange thing to say because, well, yeah, okay, but what am I going to do about it? Then I started to think about that time I was saved. And at that time, my children were older. They were already saved, by the way. And so I started to give areas of my life to God, stages of my life. And the big thing was for me is to be the Christian mother that I hadn't been. And I wanted to learn quickly. My daughter's sitting in the audience, so she knows. And I wanted that so desperately. 
I wanted to grow so desperately in that. I started to pray for them more, like that they would get good jobs in this next session. They were still at school. But please, God, find them good jobs, a thing they will enjoy and love doing, that they will grow and grow in you, that they're going to feed, that feel the, find the right men for them, good men, men who know the Lord. Julie's married to Anthony, who's sitting there trying to pretend it's not him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then when that happened, I then prayed for grandchildren. Lord, give us grandchildren. Grandchildren we be a part of. I didn't ever think I'd be praying for a great-grandchild, but we did. So that's how it went on, really. And suddenly, I couldn't understand why I was thinking all of this. It was because I realized I'd come to another stage in my life. And I hadn't given that to God. I hadn't. Maybe it had just slipped in without me noticing it. And this was my older years. I'm not talking about being old, but it is definitely my older years, my autumn years, if you want to put it that way. I like autumn, so it's all right. And I, I stood there, and so I said, okay. So I just said to God, God, I want to give you my older years. I wanted to be powerful. I wanted to work. I want to be it. I want it to be better than it's ever been. I don't know what it is. I don't know how you can use me, but I know you can. But I have to give it to you. I have to give those years to you. Now I'm waiting in anticipation. <laughs> I don't know what I'll do. I don't know whether there's new things or I'm carrying on with the things. I'm, I, don't, I don't really mind anymore. But I do want to use my later years, my older years. Yeah. And, and for some of you, some of you are older than me, and you can use them. Yeah. You can use them just as good. You can use them better. Look at the knowledge that you've found and, and, and witnessed over. You can do so much. And for me, that's terribly exciting. Great. And I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Thank you. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. When, uh, when Iris shared that at the 9 o'clock service, just had that, you know, that sense of you know, how she gave those 40s. You know, in, when she, and, and by the way, if you don't know, when, when she says, I became sad, that means to become a Christian, if you're not un, familiar with that language. When she became a Christian at 40, she gave those years to God and all the way through. And then that realization that actually she's at a new stage of her life and she's not surrendered those years. And I thought, how powerful is that? How many people will there be here this morning who actually you've also not given these years of your life to God. Perhaps you've come to a point where you think, this age and stage where I am right now, I don't know whether I've ever surrendered it to God. And perhaps you may be stuck, and you may be thinking, oh, well, what if, or if only. You know, well, if only I was this. If only I was a bit younger. If only I was a bit older. If only my situation was different. If only I didn't have kids at school. If only I didn't have kids at home. If only I didn't have kids at university. And the reality is, it isn't down to how old you are. It's down to whether you'll say, God, have these years. Whatever age and stage you're at, God can use you. So you're not too young, okay? So some of you guys who are at school, you might be thinking, oh, when I'm older, then I'm really going to give myself to God. No, Samuel was a young boy, a young boy, and God used him. And some of you guys, you think, well, it's all for the younger people. It's not all for the younger people. Caleb was 85 when he said, I give you these years, and he climbed another mountain. 
The most important thing is are we willing to say, God, right where I am, in my age, in my stage, in my circumstances, I give you these years. That's the bigger life. That's the bigger life. And that takes bravery to do it, doesn't it? So what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes with me for a moment. And if right now you're going to say, God, I want to give you these years of my life where I am. You might be saying, oh, if I can get a job, then I'll do it. No, no, don't do the if like that. Don't do the if that keeps you stuck in a moment. Right now, this age and stage of your life, and you want to say, God, I want to give you these years. Would you use these years for your glory? Would you use these years for your glory? Then I want to ask you to stand up with me. Some of you older guys, and you say, you've said it, fantastic. Father, oh God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that there'd be such a surrender here in this place. God, we can all look back and we can all look forward, but God, your searchlight is on the now. God, we choose to give you the now. Right where we are, Lord Jesus, with our financial situation, with our health situation, with our relational situation, right where we are, God, we give you these years. Lord, we choose to live bigger lives. Give us the bravery, I pray, to live bigger lives. God, I pray there'll be people here who are standing and responding to you who've got stuck in a moment. God, I pray that you'd release them from that moment. Lord, younger people, God, release them into their schools and into their colleges to be men and women of you. God, older people who think it's all gone by and it's all down to the younger people. We need them. Your kingdom needs them. God, I pray that like Iris at 75, 76 can give you these years. Then God, we can give you our years. So Lord, we choose to give you these years. We surrender these years to you. God, however long you give us in this age and stage, God, we give it to you. We say, Lord, please for your glory. Please for your glory. Help us to live bigger, braver lives. In Jesus' name. You know, we're going to take communion in a moment. And we're going to sing a hymn right now. And this is an old hymn that's been set to a new tune. And I want to just briefly just explain some of the words and the images and the metaphors that are used in the song. Because it's a little bit out of our understanding. One of the main words that's used in this song is, is the word cornerstone. And that's an an architectural term, goes back to when they were uh, laying foundations, the corner of a building, the stone that they placed in the foundation at the corner was the most important stone. You're going to build the whole building on that. And uh, this metaphor is this idea that if Christ is your foundation, your cornerstone, then you can build a heck of a building on it. But if he's not, then when the storms come, you're in trouble. The other metaphor that's used is an anchor on a ship in a storm. We know that one. But it says our anchor goes beneath or behind the veil, within the veil. And that's quite an unusual term. And that's referring to the the veil that was in the temple in the Old Testament that separated the outer court from the inner court. And in the inner court was where it said that the real presence of God was supposed to dwell. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it says our anchor is our hope in Christ. And here's here's the image. Our hope in Christ is like an anchor for us that's actually rooted in the very presence of God. It's like in God's heart. So if you want to know whether you can be brave today, you can be because your hope is in Christ and you are anchored into the heart of God. That's how close you are. You're anchored into the heart of God. And that's what this hymn is about. So we're going to sing this hymn. And if you need bravery this morning, then just say, God, would you give me bravery? 
Would you give me bravery? And he'll do it and he can do it because of who he is. And the anchor and the hope that you have is rooted into the heart of God. He's for you this morning. So we're going to sing this great hymn. Let's lift up our voices and our hands to God together. Thank you, Lord. You know, you kind of picture Moses at that burning bush kind of stuck in that moment. But, but when he realized that God was for him and when he realized that, you know, that, that God was with him and it kind of meant that he got out of that stuck moment and he began to move. Because it's one thing to be called to a bigger life. It's one thing to receive that bravery. But then you've got to be bold and you've got to step out. And when we know that he's our cornerstone. And when we know that God is for us. And when we know that his finished work on the cross is all that we need. We should go out, shouldn't we? We should be those bolder people. And we spoke about this last week. That means going. It means serving. It means speaking. It means giving. It means praying. Bolder prayers. What if prayers, but not what if question mark, what if exclamation mark, what if, I mean, I mean, let me just give you a few, what if we all crossed lines and got out of our comfort zone, what if we all did that, what could God do, what if we all spoke to people about Jesus much more than we do, what if, what, what could God do, what if we prayed for more people who were sick, do you know what, if we prayed for more people who were sick, more people would get healed, now I don't understand why God doesn't heal everybody, but he doesn't. But I do know that God does heal. And if we prayed for more people, we'd see more people get well. If we prayed bolder prayers, we'd see God do more. So what if we prayed some bolder prayers? What if we prayed for more people? What if we crossed over our our lines and our comfort zones? What if we got out the boat more often? What if our young people went into their schools, not just wanting to survive, but actually wanting to impact that school for Christ? What if we went to our offices, not just wanting to survive and pick up the paycheck, but we want to go in and be a witness? What if we put our relationships back together? What if we dealt with our addictions and our, and our issues and our challenges? What if we did that? We've got to start praying some bold prayers. What might God do at the response to some bold prayers? And what we want to do in our final bit of time is you will notice the yellow paper around the room and it's got prayers on. And these are bold prayers that guys at the nine o'clock wrote. And what we want you to do is we want to encourage you to go and write some prayers. There's some at the back there, there's a wall there and there's a wall here, there's pens around. It's not just a gimmick. What we want you to do is to write them down and we're going to photograph these and we're going to record these and we're going to pray these through over this next year. So when the elders come together, we're going to take some of these and we're going to pray these. And we're going to, I believe that at the end of the year, we're going to look back at some of the prayers that we've prayed and see what God has done as he's called us to a bigger, braver, bolder life. And there may be prayers for you, for your family, but there may be prayers for this church or this community or this nation. But let's pray some bolder prayers. Amen. And we're going to sing this song, which is a song that calls this a kind of a generation of people who are ready to seek the heart of God, be broken by the things that break God's heart, and then not just be broken and pray and worship, but go and make a difference and do something. And as we sing this, I want to encourage you, wherever you are, just to head out there. So there's one right there by the back. So Simon and Paul, you don't even have to move. You can just reach your hand out and you can write away there, boys. And then at the back, there's some, and then there's some on this side. Let's pray some bold prayers. Amen. And let's see what God might do in response to that. Thank you, Lord. It's not too late. You know, if you want to, in the last 10 minutes we've got, if you want to go and and write some prayers. I've asked Bernard, 
you know, like a father, one of the fathers of this house, if you like, just to come and, and to pray over these prayers for us. Is that okay? So just come and pray, Bernard, whatever you sense you, you want to pray, really. And, and let, let, this is not just a, an activity, you know, we're not just filling time here. We want to take these prayers. We want to pray these to God and, and, you know, and I don't know which of these God wants to answer, but I know this, the more we pray, the more we'll answer. And the bolder we are, you know, and the Bible says boldly we approach the eternal throne. So let's, let's pray. Bernard, pray for us. Father, Thank you, Lord. you know that these prayers express our heart. Mm. They express what you have said to us this morning and maybe over the last few weeks. Yeah. So, Lord, I really pray that you will take them and not only answer the prayers, but some of them, Lord, really need us to be very bold. Yes, Lord. And I pray that we will be bold and brave and actually fulfill what we've written on there. Yes. Lord, we know that our God is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think. But, Lord, you call us to step out in faith. And when we step out, your hand goes with us. Your voice goes through us. Your steps are with us. Lord, may we be an instrument for you. Yes, Lord. That this area here, that our families, that those who we love will come to know you. And that the kingdom of God will be established in Hales Owen and the black country. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, mate. Thanks. You know, in the um, early 90s, there was a group of young guys that got together and formed a band, worship band, actually. And they started writing some songs. And the songs were so incredible because they were so fresh and so new. And that band of young guys morphed into another band that you'll probably have heard of called Delirious. And before they were Delirious, one of the songs that they wrote is a song that I haven't heard for a long time. And it's one of those songs which, to me, encapsulates the heart of what, it's, of what it means for a generation to be big and brave and bold. And uh, this song, uh, I've sung this song usually at youth events. You usually sing this song at youth events. And when, when we started the youth event uh, in Bulgaria 12 years ago, you know, this was one of the songs that, 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 that the Bulgarians just went, went crazy for. But, you know, whenever I sing this song in a youth event, I always think this isn't about young people. This is about people. This is about a generation of people that will rise up and be big and brave and bold and change the history that they're living in. And not just change the history because they want to be history makers for the sake of it, but they want to be history makers because it's his story that they want to write. So this is about seeing heaven come on earth as it is in heaven. Is anyone with me? So when we sing this song, I want you, I want you to you might, even, not, might not even know the song. It's so old, it's new for some of you, okay? But when you sing the song, I want you to think... This isn't isn't just for young people. This is for everybody to rise up and to be a generation of people who will be so big and so brave and so bold that we will write history for God on earth as it is in heaven. Is that all right? Now you can jump up and down a little bit if you want to imagine you're in a youth event. Is that okay? That's gone down really well. I can just see that. I can just sense that. But let's sing this with all of our heart and our voice and our passion. Say, God, as we run into your arms, we want to be history makers. Amen. Let's do it. You know, it's <laughs> Apple that said those people that think that they're, they're crazy enough to think they can change the world usually do. And, you know, we, we've got a much better product than Apple. In fact, it's not a product. It's the saviour of the world. The gospel. 
Christ, the kingdom. God, I pray that you'd put within us such a, a confidence in the gospel again. Such a confidence in the power of the gospel to save people and to transform our world. And God, help us to be crazy people that think we could change the world. Lord, we don't do it because we want to write history. We do it because your love compels us. And your love compels us so much because we're so loved by you that, Lord, we can't keep it to ourselves. We can't get stuck in a moment of regret or of fear or of failure. We can't be paralyzed like that, Lord, any longer. Lord, we need to be set free. And God, I pray that even this year that we as a community of people will be so set free to live bigger, braver, bolder lives for you. And that, Lord, through the ministry of this church and through our lives, God, your kingdom will come on earth that is in heaven. And Lord, we baptize so many people this year that we just can't fit them all in the jolly tank. So Lord, please, please, God, because your love compels us. And so Lord, we say yes to you. And now we go, we go in the power of the Spirit. And we go, Lord Jesus, to be bigger, braver and bolder. God, for those that tomorrow morning, they're fearful of tomorrow morning, whether it's to school or college or uni or work or home or wherever, God, I pray that they'll go knowing that you're for them. You're their cornerstone. You're their anchor. The Spirit of Jesus lives in them if they're a Christian. So God, we can go and we can live bigger, braver, bolder lives. Help us to do it by the power of your Spirit. For your glory we pray. And everyone said... Amen.